Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Kate Woda. I'm pleased today to share a presentation from the 2019 I.O. Combinations 360 event in which Dr. Kenneth Hans of GSK addressed leveraging the tumor microenvironment for I.O. therapy. Enjoy the podcast. Okay. Uh, thank you for, for uh, the invitation to present today. Um, so just just uh, to set the stage, um, if we look at the key milestones that, that have marked uh, the progression of cancer immunotherapy, there are uh, obviously uh, many of them are associated with the development of uh, antibody-based checkpoint modulating uh, therapies that reflects a, a T-cell-centric approach to, to the field. And, and rightly so, it was discussed earlier, the, the importance of uh, anchoring strategies related to uh, neutralization of the PD-1, PD-L1 axis, and, and certainly uh, that, that has borne itself out uh, to be uh, a useful strategy for, for therapy in the clinic. Um, there, there's a tremendous amount of activity clinically in looking at uh, these combinations uh, using uh, PD, PD-1 and PD-L1 as an anchoring strategy. Um, but what I wanted to focus on today is, uh, given the complexity of the tumor microenvironment and the, uh, the diversity of the immune cell subsets that we see there, um, the, the contribution of uh, cancer-associated fibroblast, immunosuppressive soluble factors, uh, the myeloid infiltrate, which was mentioned earlier, both uh, polarization of macrophages, but also immunosuppressive, either granulocytic or monocytic MDSCs. I think that uh, a more diverse approach uh, to addressing these additional immunosuppressive mechanisms and resistance mechanisms, uh, when, when coupled with existing T-cell-centric therapies, uh, may, may be beneficial for us moving forward. And so I wanted to just share a few ideas along these lines today, um, and, and one of which is characterized by the, the partnership between GSK and EMD Serrano around uh, the M7824 uh, PDL1 TJ beta bispecific certainly fits into that, that larger strategy. Uh, just to make a few comments about the way uh, oncology is structured at GSK, not only do we have an immunology division, but we have an active uh, research program in both uh, epigenetics and cellular therapies. And uh, not only are we looking at uh, combinations within I.O., but, but having conversations uh, across therapeutic areas to, to, to look for opportunities to couple uh, I.O.-based therapies with, with, with uh, both CAR-T and TCR-directed uh, um, uh, therapeutic cell lines, and also looking at the, the potential for epigenetic modification when coupled with I.O. therapy. I'll be focusing just on what we're doing with, within the I.O. portfolio today. Um, so just a few things here. Uh, we, we've recently um, acquired Tesaro, an oncology uh, a company that has essentially uh, doubled the size of the I.O. portfolio at GSK, giving us uh, quite a number of mechanisms of action to work with. Uh, as already mentioned, the, the, the partnership uh, with, with Merck KGAA and, and GSK around M7824. Then the last thing I'll just touch on briefly at the end of the talk today is, is what we're doing with 23andMe to um, to use uh, genetic and phenotypic associations to uh, de-risk the selection of novel target space in I.O. I'll just mention that briefly at the end. So to return to the, to the concept of how do we address the tumor microenvironment in a more holistic way, 
would have taken is uh, some of the uh, modalities that are available to, to us within GSK Oncology, uh, such as now PARP inhibition, which was uh, in, in the form of niraparib, which was part of the, the acquisition of, the, of, t of Tesaro. Uh, it's an approved PARP inhibitor. Um, how can we leverage uh, a mechanism like that with existing uh, checkpoint modulators, either checkpoint blockade like PD-1, uh, TIM-3, LAG-3, or uh, um, receptor agonisms such as ICOS or, or OX-40? In addition, to bring in uh, a focus on innate immunity and modulating the tumor microenvironment through uh, perhaps the repolarization of the myeloid infiltrate, uh, wanted to just mention briefly, I'll give an example of, of sting, but, but one could extend that to TLR agonism. Um, in our case, uh, specifically, we, we have a TLR4 agonist. It's, it's in early clinical development. And then lastly, I'll just mention briefly um, a bit about the diversity of T and NK cell redirection strategies that I think also have a role to play in uh, emerging immunotherapy. So the, the underlying premise of all of this, though, is looking at this diversity of mechanisms, trying to identify complementary mechanisms of action, working some of those out in, in the preclinical space to create rationale for, for combinations that would, that would then move into the clinic. So just to, to, to speak, I think everyone in this audience understands uh, the stink pathway and stink pathway agonism, uh, essentially uh, in, initiating with uh, cytosolic DNA being recognized through um, CGAMP and, and then mediated through uh, TBK1 and ERF3 to transcriptionally regulate uh, type 1 interferons. Um, so the, the question here is, can, can we, in a meaningful way, modulate the tumor microenvironment, it, its recognition by uh, adaptive immune cells through uh, potentially using that local type 1 interferon production to modulate uh, HLA expression and, and uh, the alteration of interferon-responsive chemotactic networks like the CXCR3 axis? In addition, um, PARP inhibition itself uh, through inducing uh, stalled replication forks can elevate, there's evidence preclinically that it, PARP inhibition can elevate uh, cytosolic DNA. So the underlying premise here is um, uh, potentially improving uh, therapeutic responses through a combination of both PARP inhibition and, and stink pathway activation. Um, and, and so here we're, what we're showing are some combinations of checkpoint modulation with, with PARP inhibition in, in an ID8 uh, ovarian preclinical model. Um, the, the question that I, I, we're addressing moving forward is can we now couple uh, PARP inhibition, particularly in homologous recombination deficient indications, with sting pathway activation um, to, to more, more fully activate the, the sting pathway and modulate the uh, tumor cell phenotype? Um, there's also evidence here for CTLA-4 blockade, and in this case uh, with the BRCA-deficient model. Again, all preclinical evidence, but suggesting that there are some relevant combinations that, that could be brought forward to the clinic uh, that, that would address uh, this back aspect of the, uh, the intrinsic uh, disposition of the tumor and trying to, uh, trying to leverage uh, synthetic lethality um, uh, for, for the right indications with, with traditional checkpoint modulation. So just to re return to the original premise then, if we then look at uh, 
uh, agonistic strategies, and uh, I've used ICOS agonism as, as an example here. Uh, again, looking for complementary mechanisms of action within a diverse portfolio. Uh, can we leverage uh, ICOS agonism more effectively through combination therapy? Um, I think everyone here knows that ICOS was originally identified uh, as a response biomarker in ipilimumab trials. It was associated with enhanced uh, patient outcome in uh, patients receiving um, CTLA-4 blockade. That subsequently became a, a target for immunotherapy. Um, GSK and others have antibodies that induce uh, clustering and cross-linking uh, of the ICOS uh, receptor leading to, uh, to, to signaling and agonism. Preclinically, we can generate significant um, anti-tumor efficacy in uh, syngenetic tumor models. And the question now is how can we, we build on that to, to further improve efficacy? Uh, Preclinically, we've coupled that with, with checkpoint blockade, like PD-1 um, blockade, uh, this in a, a CT, CT26 uh, CRC model, um, showing that the combination of uh, ICOS agonism and PD-1 blockade can lead to uh, improved outcome uh, in, in the, the survival of the mice, but also um, using a combination of gene expression as, as well as uh, PD biomarkers we, we can see um, improvements in effector T-cell function of the, of the T-cell infiltrate, like Granzyme B and interferon gamma production. And then the question moving forward is, in, in a setting like this, if we're, if we're in addition, uh, addressing either uh, soluble factors, like TGF-beta as uh, a soluble immunosuppressive factor, or uh, addressing myeloid-derived immune suppression, uh, can we further improve on uh, the, the agonistic strategies uh, shown here? And that's something that we're, we're actively efforting uh, at the moment in, uh, in the preclinical space. Um, one last point uh, I mentioned, I uh, would just speak about uh, T-cell and NK-cell redirection, a, a diversity of, uh, of antibody architectures uh, that, that are in development at the moment. <clears throat> I'm particularly interested in, in, in K-cell redirection uh, through CD16, which is, uh, I think, gaining some, some heightened uh, activity at the moment. Uh, that, that's interesting because we're doing a lot to redirect T-cells, but in the case of uh, tumors which have downregulated HLA, uh, in K-cell redirection may be a strategy for addressing these HLA-low tumors that have uh, um, presented this as a, as, a, as a mechanism for avoiding immune surveillance. So um, looking forward to seeing how CD16 uh, redirection uh, fares as, as uh, these molecules progress through early to mid-stage to mid -stage development. Uh, one example um, that, uh, that, that GSK has, has pursued is a TCR-directed uh, T-cell redirection strategy um, known as IMTAC. This is a collaboration with Immunocore. Shown here is an example of a GP100 uh, IMTAC, which uh, is, is in phase two trials now. The underlying premise is that we can target intracellular target space through the use of a high affinity TCR, but then on the C-terminus using a CD3 single chain FE, we can redirect T cells that, are, that have already infiltrated the tumor uh, to, to uh, create an immune synapse and better activate uh, those T cells for, for lytic function. And uh, there's some preclinical data here just demonstrating uh, uh, both the uh, dose-dependent uh, dose interferon gamma production and, and as well as the dependence on both the HLA status and the presence of the antigen. 
we, GSK has uh, an NYISA directed MTAC that's that's in the clinic, and then we have a, a, a preclinical effort as well against other targets using this architecture. Uh, but but as I mentioned, the underlying premise here is that. Uh, both through targeting either T-cell redirection or NK-cell re redirection, I think that um, we, can, we can better leverage the microenvironment for, uh, for improved uh, antitumor efficacy. The last point that I wanted to make, uh, which is at a much earlier phase here, is as, as we're selecting novel targets for immunotherapy, um, that this is based this is an analysis I'm showing here by by Matt Nelson, a geneticist, and his team at, at GSK, uh, published uh, a few years back now in Nature Medicine, that targets that have a, a genetic validation uh, they tend to get enriched through uh, through through clinical development, meaning that uh, genetically validated targets uh, tend to progress uh, in, into uh, more advanced stages of clinical development, and. Um, the, at the outset, for example, if, if you calculate the statistics on how successful are new targets at reaching the marketplace, so if we were to, if we were to collectively decide on a new target right here and carry that forward through preclinical and then clinical development, on average, that, that new target would have about a 4%, 3 to 4% chance of reaching the market, so a very high attrition rate. With genetic validation, the, 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 the chance of that uh, new target reaching the, uh, the marketplace is, is about 8%, so there's still a really high attrition rate, but you can effectively double the, um, the, the chances of, of that new target being successful with the use of a genetic validation. And so we are partnering with uh, 23andMe to, um, to look at both the, uh, the genetic and phenotypic associations of SNP polymorphisms to try to use the genetics to understand the underlying uh, biology around the targets, using that information to, uh, to make informed decisions about new targets that we pursue for immuno-oncology. And so uh, just to wrap it up there, um, I think that the, there is an, an expanding scope of strategies being brought forward for immune-based therapies for cancer. Um, uh, I think PARP inhibition brings in the, the possibility of, of, of using uh, synthetic lethality approaches, uh, particularly in HRD indications. Uh, and the, there is preclinical evidence to suggest that we can combine those therapies with um, PARP inhibition with existing checkpoint modulation. There are a number of those combinations in phase two develop, uh, clinical trials now. Uh, we're continuing to seek additional combinations, uh, keeping in mind the contributions of the myeloid infiltrate. Uh, other soluble uh, immunosuppressive factors like TGF-beta are also factoring into the, uh, to the strategies that we're bringing for combination therapy. And then lastly, uh, just the use of genetic and phenotypic associations to, uh, to help us to make decisions about new targets moving forward. So I think with that, uh, I'd be happy to take any questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the database uh, has over 10 million, uh, the data from over 10 million individuals are in that database. Uh, everyone who participates, they opt in to allowing their, their de-identified genetic information to be used in, in a research setting. Essentially, we, um, we query the, the genes and we're looking at SNP polymorphisms for inverse correlations between the incidence of autoimmunity and, um, and cancer risk. and so. 
where we see uh, genes that have this inverse correlation. And just to give you an example, if you were to look at the SNP polymorphisms for CTLA-4, you could find individual polymorphisms that lead to an, an elevated risk of autoimmunity. And, and you, you tend to see things like uh, thyroid-directed autoimmunity, like Hashimoto's or hyper or hypothyroidism. Um, so elevated risk of autoimmunity decreased risk of certain cancers like skin cancer, for example. So if we see a signature like that, that, that tells us that there, there may be uh, something there that we should, we should drill down on. So we, we go further. We, we've created annotated databases where we'll, we'll cross-reference data that we're, we're seeing in 23andMe with, say, the UK Biobank, and then we'll do literature searches and bring in more and more information to, to inform ourselves about uh, the, the, the biology around those, those targets. But, but it starts with uh, looking for this inverse correlation between autoimmunity and cancer risk. Yes? So there, there is, um, uh, there's a, there are extensive um, um, surveys that are filled out by the individuals. So it's all self-reported data, um, but they have, uh, it, it includes in there uh, treatment information if the, if, if the individual wants to provide that, and that, that's how the uh, annotations are created around autoimmunity or, or cancer. You have significant numbers of research cohorts too, right? They do, and the, the, the database is expanding rapidly over time, and so we'll continue to see uh, updated data over time with, with larger and larger numbers of observations. So just as an example, an association that may have a, a non-significant trend in the UK Biobank in 23andMe, given the larger numbers of observations, may have reached statistical significance, and so it allows us to, to look more carefully at uh, the relationships there. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that podcast from the 2019 IO Combinations 360 conference. For more information, visit iocombinations360.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.